Hi, I'm Craig Williams, and this is Beyond the Tassel. This week, I take a hard look at the college application process, the preparation, the steps, the anxieties associated with both, and how to handle it all like a pro. This is an exciting time in the lives of high school seniors and their families. Three milestone moments come together here. The end of childhood, in the formal sense of the word, the transition from high school to college and all the independence that that implies, and a fair likelihood that this will be your student's first time living on their own, under a roof other than yours. So let's dig in and explore the college application process and talk about some of the anxieties associated with it. As we've discussed in previous episodes, getting into the school of your choice should be all about finding fit, and that definitely requires some exploration. It may be that the best fit is at the regional state school right down the road from you. But we're going to assume, for the sake of this episode, that this is not the case. Again, we're not disparaging your local university or college. We're just looking at likelihoods here. And the statistical likelihood, with more than 3,500 colleges and universities in the United States alone, favors the odds of your best fit being somewhere other than right down the road. But again, it might be. All right, so the application and admissions process really began long before you started filling out any applications. Ideally, for the better part of a year, you've been actively creating your list of reach, match, and safety schools, obtaining strong letters of recommendation from teachers, shooting for alumni interviews where applicable, writing your personal statement for the Common App, and perhaps additional essays, depending upon the schools to which you're applying, and gathering up all the documentation you'll need for financial aid. We'll assume you've ironed out most of this groundwork already, but we'll touch on each one and offer a little further detail. We will also post links to each of these areas of focus on our website under Episode Support. One question that we get all the time is, how many schools should I apply to? Well, it's really different for everyone, but a good rule of thumb is to have two or three REACH schools these are the schools you'd love to attend, but know will be difficult to get into based on your GPA, your ACT score, extracurriculars, or maybe some other reason. Then have at least three or four match schools. Now these are the schools you're pretty confident will admit you based on your grades, test scores, and other credentials. Finally, if the bottom falls out and neither your reach or match schools say yes, you'll want to have what we call safety schools. Now, we recommend having two or three of these schools on your list. These are the schools that have a very high acceptance rate and will still meet your need, but aren't your first choice. We hope you won't need them, but we want to make sure you've got a place to land in the fall. Next, let's make sure you've got a few truly great letters of recommendation. Ideally, these will come from highly respected members of your high school faculty, a teacher, a coach, or someone else who supported you during your high school career. Now, different schools have different standards here. Many will require that these do come from a teacher. Others will be more lenient in uh, the source of your recommendation letters. This is someone who just won't phone it in, though, in either case. This is someone that really knows you. You need someone who thinks so highly of you and who has interacted with you in a highly engaged sort of way. A favorite teacher? Maybe. But better still, a teacher who has been an integral part of your growth, who believes in you like no other. Now, you may not know they feel this way about you until you speak with them. They may not be your favorite teacher, but you may be one of their favorite students. The Common App allows only one letter of recommendation. Although, again, 
Some college and universities using their own application system will allow more. Others don't accept any at all. But it is always advisable to lock down one super solid letter of recommendation in the event that one or more of your target schools require one. One technique, and secret weapon, in fact, far too many students overlook, is the alumni interview. These aren't generally hardcore interviews. They're really more like coffee shop meetups with friendly people who just happen to have attended the school you're interested in attending. The way these interviews take place is that you indicate to the admissions department that you'd like to have an alumni interview, and the admissions departments will identify an alumnus who will be happy to meet with you. You may need to drive to a larger city for this meetup, as the school you're targeting may or may not have an alumnus in your community or region. But this is just a fantastic opportunity to make a great impression on a person who has the ear of the admissions department. Don't miss this if you can possibly make it happen. It is a tremendous advantage to have a well-respected alumnus say good things about you to the admissions team. Another related thing you can do to increase your odds of admission, which is often overlooked, is to introduce yourself to the department head of your area of interest at the college or university to which you seek admission. So, if you're a theater geek, seek out the person in charge of theater or drama department and make a good impression. Let them know you intend to apply. If you love high-end math, find out who the math department head is and introduce yourself as a means of learning more about the department and how it can support your interests. These people often speak with the admissions office about such encounters, and it can make the difference. The Common App, which we spoke about in episode 33, is a great way to prepare your application once and then use it and reuse it for any of the 900-plus schools that accept it, including all of the Ivy League schools and many other competitive institutions like Northwestern and the University of Chicago. We recommend going through the Common App, but also being prepared to use the proprietary applications where they apply. Some schools, like MIT, Georgetown, University of Illinois, and Ohio State, do not accept the Common App and require that you apply through their own unique systems. While this will slow things down a bit, don't fret, and don't let it prevent you from applying to the schools you want and which represent great fit for you. On this Common App, you will need to submit an essay, referred to here as personal statement. The essay prompts will occasionally differ from the previous year, but this year they happen to remain the same as last and are as follows. 1. Some students have a background, identity, interest, or talent so meaningful they believe their application would be incomplete without it. If this sounds like you, please share your story. 2. The lessons we take from obstacles we encounter can be fundamental to later success. Recount a time when you faced a challenge, setback, or failure. How did it affect you, and what did you learn from that experience? Number three, reflect on a time when you questioned or challenged a belief or idea. What prompted your thinking? What was the outcome? Number four, describe a problem you've solved or a problem you'd like to solve. It can be an intellectual challenge, a research query, an ethical dilemma, Anything of personal importance, no matter the scale, explain its significance to you and what steps you took or could be taken to identify a solution. Number five, discuss an accomplishment, event, or realization that sparked a period of personal growth and a new understanding of yourself or others. Number six, describe an idea, a topic, or concept you find so engaging it makes you lose all track of time. 
Why does it captivate you? What or who do you turn to when you want to learn more? And seven, share an essay on any topic of your choice. It can be one you've already written, one that responds to a different prompt, or one of your own design. So pick one that you're comfortable with and just start writing. This is an authentic opportunity for you to shine. The admissions department really wants to get to know you, so let them. And while there are lots of places during college and the college application process where all of your English rules that you've learned in your 12 years of school really do matter, this actually isn't one of them. They want to get to know you. Now, I'm not encouraging you to be sloppy with your grammatical expertise or to completely toss out all the punctuation rules you've ever learned. But don't get hung up on those things if it means sacrificing the authenticity of your story. That's really job one with an admissions essay or a personal statement. And don't let someone else write it for you. Just don't do it. Obtaining a bit of coaching will help and is perfectly fine. And in fact, I'd say it's advisable. But don't cross that line. Admissions will know. They have a way of ferreting out an inauthentic or a professionally prepared essay. Don't fall for these advertisements that offer to write essays for you or hook you up with an essay that will guarantee admissions to such and such school. All right, let's get your basic financial aid materials ready, shall we? You'll want to complete the FAFSA application to see how much federal grant money you'll qualify for. There is a chance you won't receive much or even anything from the federal government depending upon your family's financial situation. But don't stress over it. Just take the time to complete the application and see where it leaves you. You'll need your parents' W-2 forms, tax filings, bank account information, asset and equity ownership statements. Now, we're not going to get into completing the FAFSA here, but it's not the stressor everyone tells you it is. In fact, it's cake. It'll take you less than 30 minutes to complete once you have access to the financial, employment, and tax records you'll need. We've placed links to the FAFSA material on our episode support section on our website at journey12.com. Now, in addition to filing your FAFSA application, there are a few things you'll want to do to secure additional financial aid. I've said it before in several episodes, but it bears repeating here, so I'll say it again. Because for many families, this is huge. The top 115 private colleges and universities in America will cover a huge chunk, if not the entire chunk, of tuition, room, and board if your family has annual family household income of less than a certain amount. In most cases, these schools will award the lion's share of your college costs if this number falls below $125,000 per year. And if it is less than $75,000 per year, virtually every one of these schools will award all costs, including tuition, room, and board. But these schools will want you to complete their own financial worksheets. Many of these schools will accept an application from the college board called the CSS Profile. You should check with the schools to which you intend to apply and ask them if they'll accept the CSS or whether they'd prefer you complete their proprietary form. Finally, there are tons and tons of scholarship opportunities out there, and I wholeheartedly encourage you to pursue them, regardless of any other aid for which you may qualify. We recommend you use one or more scholarship apps to identify matching scholarship opportunities. Take a look at Scholarship Owl or Scholly, our favorites. Both can be a huge help 
in finding scholarship money. They ask you to create a profile of your student that will enable the apps to hunt down all kinds of obscure and not-so-obscure scholarship monies. Both of these apps do have a nominal cost to subscribe, but I believe you'll find that they are well worth it. Now we come to the part where we really speak to the title of this week's episode, Navigating the Anxiety of the College Application Experience. Because knowing how to do it is vital, of course, but I really want this to be a process that leaves you with your sanity intact. And let me tell you, it's very easy to let this whole thing consume you. That's true for both students and parents. Now, here are a few important things you can do to ensure that doesn't happen. This is your journey and yours alone. It may feel a bit lonely at times, but it will only last for a few months. And believe me, you're better off traveling this piece of road in relative privacy. In other words, I'm suggesting you keep to yourself on this process to the greatest extent possible. I know it's exciting, and I know you want to share progress with everybody and anybody, but nobody outside of your family really needs to know where you're applying, what your test scores look like, or what sort of financial aid you're looking at. Your ACT or SAT score, definitely keep that to yourself. This can and does lead to jealousy, bruised egos, strained friendships, and occasionally real hurt. We say it all the time, your ACT or SAT score does not repeat, does not define you. But we constantly hear stories from students who are surprised at how much harm comes from the teeniest, tiniest share. So again, do not share with your friends, your friends' parents, or your friends' friends. And for goodness sake, keep it off Instagram and any other social media. There is just no value in sharing this information right now. You will know soon enough which school said yes, and that's when you can share. So just keep your own counsel until then, and do your best to take no interest in where friends of yours are in the process. This is a two-way street. One third-year student at a top university told us that his method was to wear what he called horse blinders and pretend that he couldn't see or hear anything from his peers about their essays, scores, or schools they'd applied to. He claims it went a long way toward keeping the anxiety of the whole process at a manageable level. Once you've got your acceptance emails in hand, the fun begins. You'll enjoy making that final choice if there are multiple acceptances. And once you confirm the financial support picture, you can make it official. There are no more secrets. It's time to celebrate. I mean, hey, you might even order some wearable or porch front college swag. In many families, a new college admit may be first generation or first gen which is to say that they are the first of their family ever to go to college. And that's a big deal, worthy of celebration. Often, colleges and universities will offer special financial support for such applicants. And even in your own community, you may be an outlier. Fewer than 20% of adults living in rural America have a four-year college degree. This may mean that your motivation for going to college could be misunderstood by some, or that even the benefit of a college education could be misunderstood by some. These are your people, your friends and neighbors, people you spent maybe many years growing up with. So as you embark on your own path, be respectful of theirs. Everyone is unique and there is no single path that holds singular superior title. Being mindful of that will ease the anxiety you might otherwise stir up. Well, that's it for this week. 
I hope you got something worthwhile out of this episode and that you'll join us next week when we tackle a subject many have asked us to explore more deeply, the differences and benefits between a community college and a four-year college. It's not as obvious as it may appear. Until then, I'm Craig Williams for Beyond the Tassel.